Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your Sunday edition of the Open Mic Podcast. It's your host, Brett Allen, coming at you live from the Bay Area studios. And on the podcast today, we are talking to the multi-talented actor and comedian, Alice Wetterland. You could see her as Darcy Darcy on Sci-Fi's Resident Alien. We talk about that. We also talk about her comedy career, her experience as an actor, and just a lot of fun and exciting things, what drives her, what motivates her to keep going on, and, and all of these fantastic things. I think you're going to absolutely love this episode welcome in to the podcast and thanks for supporting the show and enjoy today's episode with actress and comedian alice waterland idly hey welcome to another episode of the open mic podcast prepare to be astonished with brett allen Dude, we are so gonna party! A pop culture podcast. <gasps> oh! At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Great Odin's Raven! Join in weekly as Brett interviews your favorite celebrities from film, television, sports, music, and much more. Plus, you never know who will stop by. The mystic portal awaits. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. We are chatting with Alice Wonderland, and you mentioned this in our intro, but I always like to say the name again. She stars as Darcy on the amazing, amazing show, Resident Alien. And I cannot get enough of this show. Like, I just, when I watched it, I got a screener of it, and I was like, I have to interview as many people as I can get my hands on from the show. Because I said this to your co-star the other day, Elizabeth Bowen, and I'll say it again because... It's just one of those shows that when you see it, you just know it's going to be good. And when you have a phenomenal ensemble cast like this, sometimes as a viewer, you kind of think to yourself, you know, how, well, what's it going to be like? How is everybody going to get their moment? But please correct me if I'm wrong, but everybody gets that in this show and more because it's just that good. Yeah, it's really is like nobody is dragging, you know, on um, with an ensemble cast, sometimes, you know, its odds are high that there's going to be one or two people who don't quite get the tone right all the time. Um, this show is just put together with so much care and um, deliberate sort of uh, creative direction that it's just it comes together. People just play their part and it's very, very cohesive. And yeah, it's a joy to watch for me, too. Yeah. And I think, too, just no matter the cast member or the role, I feel like there's no big or small parts. And that sounds kind of cheesy, but everybody really just shines significantly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it has to do with the source material, which is a graphic novel slash comic book. So there's that. So you guys have the added pressure of the yeah. fans who will take to the forces of the blog verse if they don't like something. Right. Yeah. Or whatever the case might be. So let's talk about your character because Darcy is a very major player in this show, like definitely a major player. And I don't want to give out any spoilers. I think we're four episodes into the show so far. There might be one sitting in my DVR right now. I'm not sure, but let's talk about your role in this project and sort of how it plays in with the main storyline of, of what the show is about. Right. Well, interesting enough, my character was not part of the IP. I was, Darcy was not in um, the original graphic novel. So 
it does give Chris Sheridan, our creator, a lot more freedom to sort of mold and invent. And it is a collaborative effort with him and I to define what this character is. Um, so originally Chris had wanted somebody to play uh, second to second fiddle kind of to Asta's character. And Asta is just a little overburdened in the pilot, especially, but along the um, season arc, she's just got a lot to deal with. And it's sort of something Chris was worried about her character being um, just kind of like too bogged down with emotional gravitas and not having enough um, fun, really. It's hard sometimes when you're, you know, you're supposed to relate to a character. And obviously with Harry, it's like, oh, we we all root for Harry because we love him because he's this weird, gr- you know, goofy, fuzzy, strange alien. And it's really easy to latch onto that character. But with, um, with Asta, oftentimes when you just see a character just like get hit over and over and over yeah. with like, emotional stuff without seeing kind of what they're like on their regular, you know, day in, day out, like what, what they are as a regular person, it it's sort of a wet blanket. So I think Chris wanted somebody to um, lighten her up a little bit. And yes. that was the the impetus for, for Darcy. Well, you certainly do a good job of that and keep us all in stitches, so to speak, with your antics on the show and the things that you're constantly up to. I want to ask you, when you are, you've been a part of some amazing projects. And when you're a part of a project like this, do you often find yourself going, okay, this is something new. This is something different. And I sort of have to switch gears mentally to get into a role like this. Cause you do comedy. You're a funny person. I, I know that I sounded really weird when I say that, but you you are a comedian, right? So to speak. And you do a lot of different I, yeah, things. Yeah. I mean, I'm more, I'm a comedian first. Yeah. So and- that was before acting or kind of midway. We'll cover that. But when you get into another role like this, like what is your mental space to prepare for something like this and to really get into your character? How do you find your way into such a wild individual? I could always do more, (laughs) (laughs) you know, learning, being part of this cast, um, as opposed to being part of like, say the people of earth cast or to Silicon Valley, um, which was predominantly comedians, um, with people of earth, we had, you know, Brian Husky on Augusta, Oscar Nunez, who are just these comedic powerhouses that they're always comedy first. And, um, this cast, there's a lot more drama actors, that are very capable and even Alan Tudyk is just, you know, he has a huge rep, huge repertoire of um, all sorts of roles, but he does have a a drama bona fides for sure. And I have learned a lot from being with those actors and Meredith Gerritsen is another one that plays Kate. Um, I spent a lot of time with her and she's a really capable and um, fantastic dramatic actress. And I, I was like, oh, I should probably uh, <laughs> work a little harder at this because I, I just didn't, uh, I didn't have that many uh, dramatic roles before this. I've just been here and there. So um, yeah, I, I, I worked really hard with Chris. I think at creating a character that was very grounded, but um, you know, I have to admit, very fortunately for me, Darcy's really probably the closest to me 
uh, as a character that I've ever played. I mean, she is incredibly, she's very funny. She loves to crack wise, but she's, you know, a bit of an alcoholic, which is part of my story as well. So yeah, um, it doesn't take too much to get into that role specifically because it's basically like, what would you do? <laughs> Just, you, do? you know, would you yeah. What would, what would Alice do yeah. in that situation if she met a guy at a bar or whatever? Alice three years ago or Alice yeah. five years ago. <laughs> exactly. Well, you do have a great story and I always like it when these art imitating life experiences yeah. come up in a conversation, but it's not, as exaggerated as what we might see on television, but you can relate to it a little bit. So you mentioned this is kind of one of a few first dramatic type roles. Of course, Silicon Valley was, as you mentioned, all comics and kind of an interesting character story there. And then you come to this. Do you prefer one over the other or is comedy where your heart sits when it comes to anything? No, I don't really prefer one of the over the other when it comes to acting. Acting, you know, for me, it's like uh, it's an arena in which I get to be truly collaborative and tell a story. Of that said, uh, my favorite days on set are when it's just me. Um, we had a whole day, for instance, this season where there is like a lot of uh, stunts and stuff like that when it's just me. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, because yeah, it's whole, nice. I love attention and I love the that the whole crew is focused on me and I'm the one actor. Yes. It's like really weird and embarrassing that my ego is that um, thrilled with those kind of moments. But then again, acting, yeah, it's about telling a greater story. And what I've learned is that the hardest part with film and TV is that um, you really want to blend in with the tone and the um, the scene around you and the, the characters around you and the story. And it's not always easy. Um, I've had experiences where I was like thinking I was doing a great job and then I watched it later and I was like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh. No one said anything. I did not do that justice. So yeah, I, I, I it's neither one or the other. It's always interesting to me. Right, which I think is good. Because you're happy just to work no matter what, which I think is what it's really all about, especially in these days and times that we are in. (laughs) It's not like you're turning scripts down through email every single day going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So which hit first for you? Because I was doing a lot of research and I'm familiar with you on the comedy side and I've seen you in other things. I already mentioned that. But which hit big for you first? Was it the stand-up and the comedy or acting or was it kind of simultaneous for you? I started in the improv world. So I started taking classes at UCB in New York in, I would say, 2002, 2000. No, no, much later, actually, because that was, I'm remembering 9-11. Um, <laughs> I like relate. I was in New York on 9-11. So I like relate everything. To yeah, like, everything is How soon is after that? 9-11? <laughs> Um, no, it was 2004 or five. And so, um, I started taking classes there, dipped in and out. And then, um, one of the classes I met a, uh, up comedian person. I'm still friends with Sean Perlman. He's a writer for Brick and Morty, um, now, but he, uh, was doing up at the time and basically begged him to take me into an open mic. I really wanted to try standup and, um, yeah, I, I did it one time and it was like, that was for me, that was a very, it was a that lightning bolt thing where I, I was stunned. I was like, I, you know, when I was considering doing stand up and I'd gone to stand up 
shows before I was, I'd see Sarah Silverman, Janine Garofalo and people like that in New York before, way, way before they were, I mean, well, way before uh, Silverman was really famous, but um, I'd be like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. You know, like I was so egotistical. I was like, I'm pretty funny. So I could probably do that. <laughs> and I always like thought most when they start, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, definitely most standups. Um, we think highly of ourselves for sure. Uh, but I was like, I don't I'll probably just do open mics for like a few months and then I'll get dis- discovered because I'm amazing and I'll be put on, you know, late night and SNL probably be turning down offers. And then when I started doing open mics for real, I, I was blown away by how much I just loved the craft of it. And, and I, it was, it was very quickly that I realized like, I don't need to do this for money. I don't need to do, I don't need to be famous. I just want to do this. This is all I care about. I just want to do it day in, day out. You can pay me, not pay me. I don't care. I'll just be there. So I, if, if open mics were still around right now, I'd probably be doing them. Yeah. So you obviously haven't had a chance to perform really anything at this point. No, I have a weekly show on Instagram that I do um, with my friend Ellie Woods. She started an Instagram channel basically for content because people were going live all the time. So she was like, I want a channel where everybody go, like you can tune in any time of day and there'll be something happening. So I did it. I do a show on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific time where I have comedians on, they do five minutes or sometimes we just talk and that's my outlet pretty much. The methadone to the real thing, which I've heard it compared to by a lot of comedians that I've talked to, it's like, you know, it's this thing where we got to do something. But I think people are trying to come back now. You know, here in the Bay Area, the clubs are going to start opening up March, April. I'm getting emails mm-hmm. for press for comics coming through. So yeah. it's exciting to get yeah. to this moment where we're kind of like, well, we may not be through it, but at least we've been creative. It's figuring- true. Yeah, for me, it's it's been incredibly important because it's just kept me writing. Um, you know, so I didn't lose a year of minutes, you know, because generally, yeah, like, you know, you just didn't sit on your butt and do nothing for a year. Yeah. I was having 10 minutes at the end of a year is like a huge accomplishment when you couldn't literally leave the house. So it's funny that you say that. Are you familiar with Lunell, the comedian Lunell? Yeah. She's like old school comedian and she had a lot to say about that when the pandemic hit. And she's like, if you come out of this pandemic a year or two later and you don't have any new material, yeah. she's like, you are a hack. And she said, I'm just repeating what she it. said. She's like, you're a hack. I, I don't necessarily feel that way because being <laughs> in LA has humbled me in terms of like, because I was totally like that. Absolutely. When I came out of New York, I was like, this is what comedy is. I know what it is. And all these LA people, you know, like I, I remember growing, growing up or, you know, coming up in in New York and there was this meritocracy feeling where even if you were an unknown first timer at a a mic, you go up and there would be this lull where people would actually listen to your jokes for a second. They wouldn't just ignore you. They would go, Oh, like, I wonder what this, who is, all right, we'll give them five, you know, we'll give them 20 seconds to get a laugh in. And I came to LA and I was like, okay, great. So I go up to a mic. I do my A material from doing comedy for five years in New York. And they ignored me, like ignored me. And I was like, you don't even listen. And I was just like, oh, this place sucks. Like they don't know what they're doing. Like that, you know? And um, once I started to really pay attention to what LA comedians were doing and kind of what they were about, the inventiveness and the, um, the creativity and you know, there is, it's, it's a bit of a 
name droppy community, but at the same time, like there, it, it, it works on another speed here. So there's a lot of people who are just like, I can't do this not live. And, and I, you know, I, I'm speaking for myself. I have to keep doing it, but like, I understand some people have, yeah, there's a lot of comedians some, right now. Some people are like mimes out here, you know, like <laughs> they're like <laughs> modern miming or whatever. There's a lot of people that just won't budge and do anything right now until they've been tested. They've gotten their shots and they can, especially it's more like the ones that are doing like the arena tours, yeah. you know, like the Gabriel Iglesias, the Joe Coys <laughs> and stuff. And I just say that it's as an ex- what's that? It's the men. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, that's the one. But once they get a certain amount of power and money, they're like, you're like, Brian Regan, stay inside. My God, you're a national treasure. <laughs> I actually watched his special the other night, ironically enough. And I've, so I've good, been, and I'm like, but he's old, you know, and he's like out there in the road and you're like, no, <laughs> protect stop him. It. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, Glazer, I mean, all of these guys have done some sort of Zoom show. I've participated in them and it's kind of interesting to experience it. But, you know, Ben Glebe and Hofstetter, they have the Nowhere Comedy Club, you know, guests of the show and speaking of name droppy, but they do the online club, you know, and they've had so many people, Sarah, they've all done at least one set on the Nowhere. So I think it's great. I mean, I'm watching a Zoom show Saturday night. After my kid yeah. goes to bed. So, um, but I, I'm always been a big supporter of like live entertainment. The one thing that I never did, I really didn't go to concerts before. And I, they, everybody comes through here. And now I'm like, damn, I wish I would have gone to a show. And I can't now. <laughs> Regret. And who knows yeah. when that's going to be. Yeah. It's crazy. So, what yeah. attracted you about television? Because a lot of comics, that's sort of the path that they take, yeah. they do the stand money. up. The money. Well, yeah, of course. That's what it is for most of us. We're like, well, what pays the bills? But, you know, a lot of people make money just working. I mean, a living, you know, just doing, just being a road dog. But um, I, I generally like to do things that I'm good at. And I felt a kind of spark when I first started commercial acting. It felt natural. And I felt like it was a space where I was recognized really um, like, you know, when you get a little recognition and you get a little feedback from people in the industry that like, oh, you're really great. It just immediately makes you feel like, oh, that I got to do this. Yeah. And I remember like my first commercial gig was, um, an AT&T commercial and the audition was like 10 people standing in a line in a room. And they said, they just went down the person, God, who was auditioning us must've been so tired. They were like, okay, everybody do this facial expression. You're just like looking at something and the thing is weird. So just do that. <laughs> they just had everybody go down in a line and I got selected, no callback. And I was like, okay, I'm great. And then of course I film, <laughs> I film a 10 minute, literally 10 minutes on camera. And then that was back in the day when, you know, national commercials were real money. And I made like a hundred thousand dollars from that one day. And I was like, Oh, I'm only doing this. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, well, quit my job. Everything's going to be great from now that's on. That's a lot of money for one swing at something yeah, for I not was- much of your time. And that's, what and that's never happened again. Of course. Job. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. Then you go do something works. else and they give you like day player rate or something yeah, like that. Not- Unless- but I did get hooked. I, I got hooked to working with directors. I loved the I love working with directors to be honest like film and tv directors I like what I mean eventually I want to do that myself which is like totally cliche I know 
but I like watching directors work. I like different directors styles. I like, um, uh, yeah, I like jumping through those hoops. So I think for me, that's the big, yeah. If, if you're comparing it to stand up, your director is your audience and you know, you're working with other people in a, in a scene, but like you're getting, if you make it, if you kill, you know, it's the director's like, great that you, now you're hitting it. And it's like, they have to communicate to you in whatever way they communicate, which on a standup level is laughter, (laughs) but it's, it's, yeah, it's the, it's that high for me. Well, I think comedy, the way it's been explained to me in other interviews is that that's like an instant gratification, Mm -hmm. hearing the laughter, or lack of laughter or kind of being comfortable with silence when it needs to be silent and not always hmm. rat-a-tat-tat joke, rat-a-tat-tat joke, but maybe yeah. build up or premise, right? And then you get smaller laughs and then the bigger laugh at the end when the joke punches. But yeah. acting is like, okay, you know, kind of a delayed gratification, but instantly too, from the way you describe it, because Resident Alien, for example, I'm sure when you're doing scenes with Alan or your fellow castmates, it's like, okay, cut, slate, like, you know that you've nailed a scene, like, especially if you can get it done in just a few takes, right? Instead of being the one that, you know, 10, 12 takes, I guess, yeah. unless you have a difficult That's director. It. Exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's, it's, if you bottle up all the, like, time spent in makeup chairs and waiting around on set and doing run-throughs, and then you... Um, distill all that down into that one moment where, okay, it's now it's your coverage, right? And that's an incredibly short period of time in which you have to nail this thing that's going to be printed and go into the editing booth. And like, yes, that is a whole process, but you know, you kind of know in the moment and it's that high pressure situation. I think that is exciting to me as a comedian. Yeah, I would think so. Like I'm the type of person who understands the art and craft just because I've talked to so many people. So I get it from a technical perspective, but by no means would I try and go do an open mic. And that's just not, I don't know, maybe if I'd had drinks perhaps, or I have no idea. I've never, I've thought about it. You know, then there's that whole conversation of comedy classes and things, but that's why I do podcasting because I get the pleasure of talking to great people and having these fun conversations and sort of getting a behind the scenes view of it. But I'll sit in an audience and I'll watch somebody like whoever just kill an entire room. You make it look so effortless when you do it, but realizing, you know, there's years of work behind that. Lots of, you know, bombing or retooling and just sort of working through all of the words and getting it crafted to a point where you can do a solid 30 or an hour. And I just, that's the one thing. I think that I admire the most about what you do, even in acting, like you make it look so fun and easy, but I also know there's all the external trimmings and pressures of, you know, time and, you know, getting it right the first time and yeah. being able to meld with your castmates and whomever. Right. Yeah. I think of it like anything. It's just the, um, you know, like being an athlete is, is not just the time you're spent on the field and the lights. It's the, it's the conditioning and stretching and, you know, eating and, um, mental conditioning, like all that stuff that goes into those moments when you're, um, in the limelight, it's the same way with anything. So I, I, you know, as a craft and as a skill, like you put it together, um, and the days that you spend not doing the thing end up being part of your process as well. And then you have a great show like this that will live on and stand the test of time. It's kind of like, 
what we're doing. Yeah. It's like Northern Exposure meets like, you know, sci-fi meets this or that if they all got together and had a kid. Yeah. yeah. This is the show that you would get X-Files. I don't know. You pick. I mean, they're just all like I found out about it just a little bit late in the sense of like by a week or two. And then I binged all of it and am now caught up. And I said, in fact, I just got a notification that said you have a new episode of Resident Alien waiting. So I'll watch it tonight and excited about it. One last question I always like to ask when you started out and you began this process, did you have friends and family that were supportive of you when you told them what you wanted to do, be a comedian, be an actor, or what were those moments like for you when you decided that you were going to just go at this full bore? Yeah, I think most of my family was relieved because they were like, well, you know, (laughs) somewhere to put that energy, like, you know, energy, creative energy can become really destructive when it doesn't have an outlet, you know? And um, I think that I was kind of like ruining my life. And then I started doing stand up, and my mom was like, okay, you know, like, well, this will sustain her for a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So all the jobs and everything that you did to pay the bills, those were just a way to a means to get where you're at, where you can be a part of something that's really fantastic and a a world that a lot of us, especially our listeners, aren't super familiar with because it's just not like anything else that anybody could ever possibly do. No, yeah. And I feel incredibly lucky and you know, like I'm sure everybody says that, but, you know, I, I try to live in, in that gratitude all the time because, you know, a, to be able to have a job in the economy that we're in. Um, but to be able to work and at something that, um, that I've always really in my heart wanted to do and, you know, to be able to do it as somebody who came from Minnesota, you know, did, doesn't have anybody at all in the industry that, you know, I don't have any friends in the industry. I don't have any family in the industry and that that is a sort of a, a weird thing. And so it's really cool. And I, I'm really grateful for that. Yes. And I think that just comes through just in talking to you and your persona, your personality and Thank you. yes, comedy and your shows that you've been on again, such a big and full catalog of work a lot of fun to be had. There's lots to watch on television right now. We're all excited, Alice, to see what happens with your character and the story arc as it progresses. And hopefully, you know, there's a season two and three and whatever, and it lasts, you know, longer than friends, right? <laughs> Anything needs to last longer than friends. <laughs> Everything has to, yeah, we got to have that happen again. Some some show has to have. Well, I suppose, you know, there's that uh that show about superheroes that went on for so long that nobody noticed or maybe bones. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I bones, also, <laughs> castle castles. I think castle's still on, but also check out my special. I should plug that cause it's still yes. out there and people can watch it. It's called my mama is a human. And so am I, and it's on the CW and it's also on Amazon. So yes. And hopefully one day we can start touring again. And if you ever come out to the Bay area, please let us know. We would love to meet and come see you live. Thanks to your manager for making this happen. He's the best. Alice, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.